July. Q and I are excited to get back with you all and welcome to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Again, we are not joined by our esteemed colleague Gatto, who is probably building an atomic weapon somewhere that is undisclosed. He um, just texted us and said, I'm in my Oppenheimer era and then just turned off his phone. So I don't know. Yeah, he's he's no longer sharing his location with us. So we can <laughs> only assume he is in Los Alamos right now. The hidden cameras I put in are still working, though. He's either building an atomic weapon or buying an RV to make crystal meth. We don't know. He might be in his Walter White era. We don't know. He could be in his Walter White era. He could be in his Heisenberg era. (laughs) He did look at me really weird the other day and said, say my name. And I was like, (laughs) got got (laughs) No, but more scared. Yeah, it was like... Say my name, please. Maybe it, was, maybe it was Destiny's Child. I don't know. I if there's one thing I know about that man, it's that he loves his Destiny Destiny's Child album collection that he has in that little like CD sock collection. He's a Beyonce stan for sure. For sure, hundred percent. He's yeah. probably on tour right now, just living in his camper. All the single ladies, backup dancers. Keep an eye out. It might be one of him. Yeah, that, that one that's just off in the shadows over there, just like letting it rip. Mm-hmm. That's definitely him. Yeah. But once again, thanks, everybody. We've been off for the last couple of weeks. Um, we have been traveling. Some of us have been ill. Um, and we are here to break almost down. Died, Tom. Okay. Almost you're, so, you're so fucking brave. <laughs> Um, and we are here to get into some of the, the newest shit that's going down. But first and foremost, I'd love to hear about your trip, queue to Cancun and the shenanigans and goings on that happened while you were away. I mean, like, I'd love to say that, like, the shenanigans of the trip were the trip itself, but it wasn't because, like, the trip itself was pretty normal, you know, had a lot of drinks, had some food, went sightseeing. I saw the Mayan temples and everything like that. It was very cool. Um, <clears throat> the fuckery began on my way back. So now, mind you, my flight was the Thursday of that week at 5 p.m., right? right. So it's a cool four-and-a-half-hour flight. I'll be back in the JFK before 10. Perfect. Packed all my shit. Got to the airport, went through fucking security, and actually pretty fucking smooth. I was shocked. So all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and we're about to board in about 20 minutes. So it's like 4.40 at this point. 
and everyone's phone goes off pretty much at the same time. And I felt like a like, oh no moment. You knew it was up. I knew it. And I was half asleep. Mind you, I'm like napping in the airport because I'm just like, whatever, might as well catch a couple, you know, catch a nap beforehand. And everyone starts freaking out. And I look at my phone. It's a thing from fucking JetBlue saying, your flight has now been delayed till tomorrow. So now, mind you, it's 440. We're about to board. And now, all of a sudden, the flight's not until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. So is that a camp? Is that a delayed flight or is that just a whole new ass flight? So it was the same flight. And that was what was tripping me up because my initial thought was they overbooked and we got bumped. That was my thought process. Like, okay, they bumped us out. So I'm thinking like they better pay us some money for this. And we, they did, but like not nearly what it was worth. And I'm thinking to myself like, all right, maybe we can try and work our way, maybe pay our way to like first class or something, whatever, you know, an extra 80 bucks. Find out later on, it didn't find out for hours after this, that there was no pilot. They didn't have a pilot. The pilot that I guess was supposed to be there didn't show up and they had no pilot. Oh, okay. And I'm like, I'll fucking fly this machine right now. I don't give a shit. Like, get me out of here. So we had to get reprocessed back into Mexico. And it was not a quick process. Mm -mm. It was three hours. Basically, mind you, we just left. And we had to go through security again. We had to go through bag checks again. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I've been in like a square mile of this area in an airport. And like, I wanted to leave and I can't leave. And now I have to go through this bullshit again. And like, they're like, you know, they're checking our bags again. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? It takes fucking forever. Because mind you, there's like 200 people on this flight. So now like... They have to process all of us, and then they have to arrange a hotel. They have to arrange travel to and from, and then getting us there. So we finally get reprocessed in, and we're going to the hotel. It's 40 fucking minutes away from the fucking airport. 40 minutes. And we get there, and it's not a nice hotel. I'm staying at, like, a nice resort, and this is not a nice place. It's not a dump but the surrounding area like you don't want to be walking around huh? <laughs> like that's for sure like like stay within the hotel and you'll be okay but like don't go outside um by the time we finally get settled in it's like 10 o'clock at night and i'm exhausted I take a shower go to sleep because then i have to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning to do this all over again so whatever we get up we get travel back to the airport. We And now, mind you, this is the bullshit part is because to where a normal flight, people start trickling in. They dump our bus off and everyone gets piled in. And they didn't really give us a lot of time either. We get there at like nine o'clock and we're supposed to start boarding in like an hour, hour and a half. So finally, we get to the gate. And we're supposed to start boarding. And we're sitting there. No one's saying anything. No one's doing anything. And it's another 15 minutes, another half an hour, another half an hour. 
we don't finally get like word that we're getting on the plane because they couldn't find a fucking pilot. Again. There's not like a CIA operative just kind of hanging out in the airport bar. They're like, hey, can you fly this 757 back to Long Island for us? Tom. It's I, not filled with cocaine, but I can do it. <laughs> give me some, give me some and I can do it. Um I, Tom, I started to wrestle with the idea that I died at some point and that this was my purgatory. You're just living in a fugue state. Yeah, no, no. This is I continually have to go to the airport, get delayed. Get sent back to a hotel. Wait, wait, wait. Are you Tom Hanks from that movie, where The Terminal? <laughs> That's me. I made that fucking joke in the airport. I'm like, I guess I just fucking live here like Tom Hanks. And no one understood the reference. So. You know, it'd be, it'd be so funny if like you were in the bathroom or something and they're like, oh yeah, we got to get on the plane right now. And they left you there. Oh my, no, <laughs> impossible, Tom. Impossible. I could have taken a three hour shit and like. Would have walked out and been like, any updates? And they would have been like, uh, no. That's what they were doing the entire time. So finally, we find out that at our gate, there's no gate. So they have to shuttle us to the airplane. There's no gate! <laughs> and I'm like, okay, 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 okay. We're standing online, and they, they dropped off the first batch of people. And now we're standing there and we're, Tom, I'm not lying. I'm standing there for an hour. The bus is outside. I see it. So we're standing online. It. So close you can I could it. I could throw a football at Uncle Rico style and hit it. And I'm standing there and I'm like, why aren't we getting on the fucking bus? And did, and I, I say like, any updates? And this is the people behind the counter. God, man. The entire time. Just staring at their phones, not not paying attention to us. Everyone's getting pissed. And then finally, randomly, no reason, they go, okay, scan our passports and let us on the bus and i'm like what the fuck would we just waiting there for an hour for like what what the fuck was that <laughs> all aboard we had to drive like five to ten minutes i again i'm like i'm getting human traffic this is like the this is the hot air balloon all over again i'm getting human traffic because we're driving feels like 10 minutes we're driving to this fucking airplane and then we had to actually go up the stairs to the airplane actually that was kind of boss i actually had not like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> um we finally get on the plane, and I'm like, okay, great. Plane takes off, no problems there. The last two hours of the flight, Tom, there is a baby, not crying. No. No, no, no. Not crying. Screeching at the top of its lungs. I have my headphones in as high as it will go, and I all I hear is, blood-curdling screech of a baby. And I'm just like, I'm I'm gonna jump out of this plane. Yeah, that's where the that's if there is one purchase that has made the most sense for me to have on a plane, it's like noise canceling headphones. I I messed up. I should have had Yeah, you done fucked up. <laughs> I done fucked up. So we finally land and they're taking forever to get us off because mind you, we where we got in JFK, there's no gate. So we have to get off and get shuttled again. 
So they're taking forever to let us off. And there's this old man who has been a problem ever since the delay, who is just like, and I'm waiting. This, this fucking flight attendant laid the smack down on him before we left. She's like, I don't have to fucking be here right now. She's like, do you want me to leave? And she, he's like, she's like, yeah, sit down. And I was like, that was actually pretty great. I'm like, props to her. Fucking so, rocks, dude. So I'm like, I'm I'm actually just happy at this point, though, because it's like I'm back in New York. I'm back at JFK. I don't really care at this point. We go through customs. It's super fucking easy. Props to JFK. It's an amazing airport. Always easy and seamless. And, you know, I take the train home and I'm, I'm home. I'm happy. And then <laughs> it's been weird ever since I got back. I'm starting to think, Tom, I might have maybe disrespected the Mayan gods or something when I was 100% there. you did. I didn't do anything. I was very respectful the entire time, but I'm starting to think that maybe there was some kind of custom I broke or something because I have a little mini fridge where I keep like beer and shit. And a couple beer cans exploded in the fridge while I was gone. And it's right next to my electronics. Thank God nothing got fucked up, but there was a massive mess when I got back. I turned on my TV and there's this like, red bar on the bottom so i'm thinking my tv's fucked i had to play around with the plugs for like two hours and i finally got it to like go away then the next morning we had a torrential rainstorm here in long island and my apartment was flooded the little drain out here was covered with like a couple leaves that must have fell and it clogged and my apartment got flooded that took two hours to clean up. And then later that day, I'm out. And all bopping, of a sudden, bopping, not, vibing. Not, all of a sudden, I'm not feeling very good. I proceed to find out later that I have 103 fever. And I was sick for three fucking days. The worst flu I've had in maybe two decades. So safe to say that I'm kind of done with traveling for a while. Yeah, you had that international flair of kind of flu. Dude, it was so fucking bad. Like, it hit me. Like, I was I was telling you before, but it was that type of flu where you know you're sick. Mm -hmm. Because I was sitting in a diner just randomly eating food. And I'm, like, perfectly happy and content. And then all of a sudden, it's like a fucking switch goes off. And all of a sudden, I'm like, like, oh, man, I don't feel good. Like, things so, just start feeling a little fuzzy around you. The air conditioning that in like I love in diners, it was a hot day out. I'm sitting in a cold diner, and I'm like, this is excellent. All of a sudden, the cold is just too fucking cold for me. There's a problem. So oh. you were sitting there like Ron DeSantis, like mm, me hungry, mm, and then hungry, mm, hungry, <laughs> and then all of a sudden everything just starts falling apart for you. And the food yeah. does that though. Food, I, I like, ordered well, a I ordered a gyro. It was fucking tremendous. And I was sitting there. The food came, and I was like, mmm, hungry, and. <laughs> 
side note did you see that meme that somebody posted on twitter it was like you must be you must be ron DeSantis DeSantis saying mm, hungry if you think we're fucking and then it's mm, hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i saw that <laughs> oh man oh. well that sounds like a pretty fucking awful week and i could think of nobody better to have it than you oh thanks buddy <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I told you I couldn't do, I couldn't do the show because I was just like, yeah, you're I, cooked. I, I was, I was like, both ends, man, were cooked at that point. It was not good. So I, I'm just, I, I honestly, ever since I got back, because like I, again, there was just that such elation to be back that like, like I was doing like the Team America, like fuck yeah, like on the way back, because like I was just so happy to be back here. And it turned into pure horror because you were this... so back. You were so back. <laughs> Dude, it was just like even the little things like the fucking TV. What the fuck was that? Like, why? Why did that happen? Why did my fridge? Why did things in my fridge explode? Like, is there a goddamn fucking poltergeist that followed me back or something? I don't know. Yeah, you definitely pissed off the ghost of the Hyatt. And now that per that ghost followed you on your plane, followed you through adult snack time on the plane, and now lives in your storm drain and is just going to fuck with you for the rest of your natural life. Dude, JetBlue has these, like, vegan pretzels that are actually, like, they fucking pretty, they slap pretty fucking hard. Hmm. Okay. See, I try not to, like, participate in adult snack time because... (laughs) I'm. I don't want to be governed by like an airline to give me a pissed off cookie. It's your time. You go open up the airplane. The plane is two and a half hours late, but guess what? We got these old fucking pretzels to give you. Like, no, no, no. They gave I us brought, two pretzels. I brought Oreos on this flight. I paid nine dollars for those Oreos, sir, and I'm going to enjoy them. Why didn't you buy Oreos before you got into the airport? Mind your own damn business. <laughs> they just taste better when you get them from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> they taste rich. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take well, a second fucking loan out to get these fucking Oreos. Good fucking Oreos, sir. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing your harrowing experience as a American tourist turned like like influenza survivor. Um, but I don't know if you saw Cocaine Mitch have his moment today, and I don't know. I feel like he had a worser time than you. So for those who were not following along today, this just happened today. Mitch McConnell was standing in front of reporters, probably talking about how they're going to strip away, like, they're going to make postal workers have to walk barefoot or some shit like that to save <laughs> on, some money. On hot coals. And he put this expression on his face like he is your dog shitting on the floor and he just stares into space for like 30 seconds doesn't say anything just stands there silently and then he just gets like grabbed and pulled away i'm pretty sure he had a fucking stroke um in the moment so um and I was, I was saying to you earlier, and I posted this on Twitter, like maybe term limits are not a bad thing, not just because like it limits power, but we also didn't get to watch like a legislative branch die right in front of us <laughs> on like the four o'clock news. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Q, because I know that you've been unlike 
digging yourself out of a massive illness, but just wanted to get your take on that. Uh, you know, this is funny because like Mitch has been going through it for the last few years. Like he had that fall in his house. It was like a month. It was like two months ago. Yeah. And then he remember like he, you could see the picture of his hand was all black and blue, which again, like I'm no doctor, but as far as I've heard, it can be a sign of like a heart issue. So, um, old people also bruise really easily too. So yeah, but it was like, it was like all over. True. So I was like, I I just weird. Gatto had posted something in our group chat, um, earlier today, which I felt like was relevant. It was a comedian. I don't remember the comedian's name, but it was the creation of the Cobb salad. And it basically for anybody who has never seen it, the, the gist of it is that Diane Feinstein was born two years before the Cobb salad was invented. Jesus fuck. So, I, I, I think this is actually like as much as I enjoy watching Mitch McConnell go through agony because he deserves it. Um, there is a legitimate thought. Like, I think this has to be a legitimate conversation for 2024. And Joe Biden is kind of part of this. And this is what makes this so complicated because like we were we were talking about it. But like he does have those moments where he's like he loses his train of thought and he's like. American workers, listen, God, it's not that hard, guys. Like he'll like try and like rebound himself, and he does a good job of it. But like ultimately, like he he has some like weird sundowning moments too. Mm-hmm. There has to be a legitimate conversation about getting. I, I, it doesn't have to necessarily be an age thing because I'd argue Bernie Sanders is sharper than a lot of these fifty-year-old you know senators or congressmen. But there has to be like a legitimate process in which they have to get screened for cognitive decline. And if there is any signs of like Alzheimer's or whatever, pre onset dementia, right? You have to retire. Like you have to because you are holding the, the future of this country in your hands, especially in the Senate. Dianne Feinstein is, you can argue that anybody is a like a swing vote potentially right because like it's so deadlocked um that ultimately like she could end up fucking things up pretty badly or just being taken advantage of and voting for things that she wouldn't want to vote for like you know traditionally i mean mitch mcconnell was also a gang of eight member too so if there is like a conflict that happens or a national security emergency that happens like they're going to call him and do you really want the guy who sundowning like, went blank face? Yeah. I, Diane Feinstein's on the Judiciary Committee. Right. Like, I mean And held on. up and held up judges being appointed because, you know, she had shingles or some shit like that for an extended period of time. Like My it, and I agree with you. Like, I think there needs to be a conversation broadly, but I there's just these people hold way too much fucking power. That's the problem. Like and they, I don't, yeah, they, and and they and I think they're all in it together because like there are too many people defending Diane Feinstein in these situations and not like I think Rokana was maybe one of the few people that was like no it's time to retire like you got to go because this is ridiculous but like everybody else was like she is a fucking servant for the last fifty years and if they get real huffy about it but it's like. If there's even a feeling that she could be somewhat legitimately 
you know, in decline, like she's representing your party. You feel like you would want like no, but nobody wants to step on any toes. And also, like, I think they want it for themselves, too. They want mm -hmm. that ability that if they're in their 80s, they can still collect the fucking paycheck. I mean, Diane Feinstein's like one of the wealthiest people in the Senate right now, too. Like, when does that matter, though, Tom? It they're doesn't. they're it, they're greedy fucking bastards. It doesn't. I was I was thinking um, while I was watching that video of um, Mitch McConnell, like somebody running into like the senatorial or the congressional break room, like, quick, the, minority, the Republican minority leader is having a medical issue. Is there a doctor in the house? And fucking Rand Paul stands up. He's like, I'm a doctor. He's I'm like, a oh. doctor. No, no, no. We need a real doctor. Sit down, nerd. <laughs> You're the eye doctor. We get we go to you when we need fucking like eye drops. And then Ronnie Jackson stands up like, I can help. Like, we need a sober doctor. <laughs> and he's like, oh, thank God. I thought I had to do something. <laughs> Dr. Rand Paul. It's like, God. chill guy. <laughs> Rand Paul's if, just fist fighting with his neighbors again. If we if we need some fucking rec specs, we know who to call. But <laughs> you're not the one. He doesn't need reading glasses, Rand. He needs fucking medical attention. Well, maybe he's got something wrong with his eye. We maybe he no. just lost his vision for a second. He said no. <laughs> maybe he needs some polarized lenses or some bifocals. We don't oh, need this right now. Oh, God. I, I just... This, this is... And I just I feel like there has to be with the amount of young people that have kind of started to take over. And I think the popularity amongst I think the, I think I would argue amongst most demographics, term limits, especially term limits due to possible cognitive issues would be a universal thing. I would agree. I mean, um, I think it was even something that was bantied about with John Fetterman too. And I could kind yeah. of see the argument with that as well. 100%. But, I mean, strokes take a long time to recover from, especially pretty significant ones. And he also had some other personal issues that happened during that time as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 I'm, I'm also really curious as how like right-wing media is going to handle this as well, because I don't think Mitch McConnell is like, I don't think he's fanboyed over by like the weirdos at Newsmax or Infowars or the Daily Wire. But if this was Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden doing something, this would be on fucking repeat on Fox News from like sun up to sundown. Like they, the guy in the control room at Fox News would be freaking out. He's like, who we cover? Hunter Biden or this you know, Democratic senator who like had toilet paper on their shoe when they walked out of the bathroom. I'd argue that it's still going to be a they're still going to make it an issue because they can hit Biden on it. And it's one of the few things that like I think most people, Republican and Democrat, all have concerns with with him. Uh, mm -hmm. Because, again, like we're, we'll get to Ron DeSantis eventually. Hmm. Um, hungry. Uh, <laughs> um, but we uh, will get to him eventually. But like the goal is going to be to prop Trump up any which way they can. And the only real way that they can get past the Jan January 6th thing and like all the crazy shit he's done is to basically just not prop Trump up, but knock Biden down. And the mm -hmm. only way you can really do that 
like because like most of this stuff doesn't hit like oh he's a communist and it's like most people are like what does that fucking mean but if you or can that, hit him on like he's old yeah that marjorie taylor green thing like he's a socialist and it's like most of the socialists are like no he's not um but all of the things she also lists too are like oh yeah who doesn't want like infrastructure Ooh, yeah scary <laughs> Who doesn't want workers to be paid like a fair wage? Like fair labor rights. Oh, shaking my boots over here. No, we 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 can't have that. We can't have yeah. stoplights that work. I, I gotta argue though that Brandon, great job by Brandon on that uh ad. Oh where they crushed it. They cut the Marjorie Taylor Green speech to make it seem like it was pro-Biden. Pretty fucking great. Honestly, they didn't even need to really edit it. They could have no. just like let it run. Yeah, it honestly, it didn't sound like it was heavily edited. So it's a pretty, pretty great job by them. That was, that was very good. That's something Trump would do. And like, I'd argue it's a good thing. Like, yeah, hit them, hit them on their fucking speeches, man. Don't, don't let them fucking play that bullshit and like be the bigger person. Fuck that. And I, I think it's funny, particularly with that ad, that. They were listing out all of these things that are perceived as failures or like these left wing things. But like you go to like a Republican, like political rally or a Trump rally, they're basically saying all of these things, but they're saying it through a different spin. It's like, right. And I don't think that Marjorie Taylor Greene is nuanced or intelligent enough to like understand like these are all the winning things that like keep people getting reelected over and over again. Like the Mm. people wanted this. All right. Delivered. The people in this district asked for this thing. Infrastructure. All right. Done. They are building a huge fucking like microchip plant in upstate New York. Like. What's the problem? That's pro business <laughs> and pro people. Like, yeah. I, 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 I think they, and I think we're starting to see a lot of Americans start to sour on two things: calling people social socialists when the reality is is like you get nothing and you just have to live in late stage capitalism. And yep. two, like everything cannot be branded as like woke. Like the fire department is not fucking. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, the great. That's the greatest thing, though, is that like you just start seeing everything is woke, and it's like they don't even know. Like, like again, like we we went back to um, I can't remember her name, but we were talking about her a while back. She oh was, uh, uh, Bethany Mandel. Bethany Mandel. Yeah. Yes, thank you, and like no one seems to e- even like ask them like what do you think that means and like just see what they say and like uh, but like now I'm, you're seeing like in Florida again we'll get to Ron DeSantis in a while but then, now they're allowing PragerU videos as like legitimate teaching methods and like now they're they're being taught that slaves benefited from slavery <laughs> like what the fuck is going on here yeah man? yeah um, so, I do want to go back to the woke thing real quick because I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, but remember that um, the the art designer who was contracted for Twitter, he's like um, a person with disabilities from like Norway. 
Yes. And, um, and Elon Musk was yes. like trolling the shit out of him until yeah. they like had to pay him like a million dollar settlement to like leave Twitter and not be sued for it. Yeah, they found he found out that he actually had a legitimate gripe. Um, and basically he was like, oh, I didn't I, <laughs> I didn't mean it. You know, it was like and the guy's so nice that like he was like, yeah, you know, he basically, you know, he didn't he, he, he didn't seem to mind it. So so. Um, that guy posed a question. He was like, to everybody on Twitter who, or X or whatever the fuck it's called these days, um, <laughs> what does woke mean exactly? And I don't know if you or anybody else in our audience has ever heard of Blue Chew, but they're like basically they be over the counter like boner pills that Twitter yeah, sells because yeah. there are no fucking sponsors or advertisers on Twitter anymore that's not like low grade porn, gambling, and like erectile dysfunction pills. Mm-hmm. or Raytheon. Um, <laughs> but this guy basically goes into this diatribe, which like to boil it down is like, he's cool with racism. Like he basically says like the idea of equity is bullshit. Like races and sexes can't both be equal. Like the races do things differently. And people are like, so are you saying like, black people are inferior and he was like in certain situations yeah and it's like my man you are the ceo of a fucking company and you are going to go on to currently the largest town hall platform or like city square platform currently available and you are going to just show your whole fucking ass and tell everybody that you are a racist individual and he's like i'm not racist i'm just speaking truth it's like Okay, Goebbels, like we get it. <laughs> it's, it is. I, I, so I'm going to stick to the boner pills from 7 Eleven moving forward. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, what was the rhino pill or something? Yeah, the Great American yeah. Challenge or some shit like that. Um, so th- this is interesting. I, I don't know if you, uh, oh, you missed the nasty name. We, we were talking about sleeping that's uh, before. Um, so this is interesting. And Tom, I don't know if you've seen this chart and I'll share it with you um, soon. It's about lead poisoning. Uh, people who have been exposed to lead poisoning and it's in his demographic. It's people in their 40s, 50s and 60s who grew up around the time where lead was more prominent hmm. uh, in gasoline and in fucking, you know, paint and all that. I'd argue a large part because I, I don't know if you also saw like, like I saw the blue chew thing. I don't know if you did you see the guy who posted the chicken that he bought from Walmart? Oh yes, the 3D printed chicken guy. The 3D printed chicken. And oh, I'm like, no. am I crazy or is like everyone just gone insane lately? Everybody has just held their cell phones right up to their forehead and told their friend to call them repeatedly until their brain dies. I think lead poisoning honestly has led to the it's actually pretty amazing that lead might actually lead to the destruction of this country because I have to assume most of this like you'd have to be like exposed to lead to believe half of this shit. And I think half of it is people who are just like, ooh, this is a grift I can get in on. And they're trying to make money off of this by like becoming an influencer to these people. I'd argue that a lot of people are probably doing that. Sure. But in a large part, I think it's like people are fucking insane. 
You know, I, I will say too, I, I don't disagree with you, but I'm also wondering too, where in the Venn diagram of conspiracy theorists and like, or like normies on the internet yeah. and vape pens, where in the Venn diagram does conspiracy theories pop in? And how big of like a convergence is those two? Because I always see in all of these like conspiracy theory videos, it's like, the guy's holding fucking chicken and like one of those <laughs> like steam boxes and just like huffing it down. And then there's this other woman who I saw on chuds of TikToks, chuds of TikTok, which <laughs> mm-hmm. is like a basically they cover like conspiracy theories. Yeah. She's like, the sun is out, but the moon is out too. That never used to happen when I was a kid. And she had a giant fucking vape pen in her hand. I'm like, do you remember the people who were lighting the snow on fire? Uh, yes. A couple years ago, and they were mm-hmm. saying that it like it's ash, it's not snow. Yep. <laughs> I I think we have collective lead poisoning. Yeah, lead lead poisoning, brain worms, like radon poisoning. Like everyone's just been hanging out in their basement where there's like what's where all the carbon monoxide settles in their houses, and they're just laying on the floor, just like taking deep breaths. As a country, that's just what we're doing. Just huffing it in. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going into their grandma's garage and finding like the lead paint they painted the outside of the shed in and just like dipping their whole ass hand in it and stuffing it in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, I don't even remember how we got here, but between the lady on the airplane, thank God you weren't on that flight where she's like, that motherfucker is not real. real. Between that, and all the other weird shit that has gone on lately, um, we are living the time of our lives. And it's just so fun to be here right now with all of the loonies out here. Oh, yeah. Generation lead. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's lead exposure as a child. I'm telling you. It's, I'd argue that like that is key QAnon demographics right there. The people who were, had high lead exposure when they were children. So, yeah. like, I argue that it has to be that. And, but also, it's, like, it's amplification, right? Because, like, they didn't have a voice before Twitter. They would just tell you. They, you would just be at a dinner party with these people. And you'd be like, oh, uh, did you catch the Yankee game the other day? And they'd be like, did you know there's a cabal of people who are eating children? And they'd be like, okay. <laughs> I'm going I'm to go get a drink. And are walk any away. of them left-handed relievers? <laughs> <laughs> What does that have to do with Chuck Knobloch not being able to throw to first? Yeah. <laughs> you used to be able to shame these people. Like, <laughs> did you know that there are mole people that live in the tunnel system in New York City? It's like, yeah, but Kerry Collins still threw three picks in that game. Like, they were going to Did you watch him. the Giants-Ravens Super Bowl? He fucking <laughs> – he floundered in that game. <laughs> Brian, we're talking about the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> Bring your shit outside and talk to our kids. That's probably what happened is the crazy uncle got shamed off the table so much. They're like, go sit at the kitty table. And the uncle, the batshit uncle who lives yep. in the house that's like covered in tinfoil and newspapers, basically pilled all of the kids. And that's how we got here. Oh, it's just Uncle Larry. Don't worry about him. He's harmless. And it's like, <laughs> what do you all know about aliens? <laughs> um, yeah. You know the lizard people that live on the moon? <laughs> Their skin doesn't fit. See? 
their skin doesn't match. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I, I don't I don't know. I, I honestly I just can't. I I, I ever, it feels like everyone has collectively lost their minds and in one way, shape, or another. Yeah, like you are either like a devout QAnon follower or you are following that lady on TikTok who's screaming ice cream so good. Ice cream so good. <laughs> Gang, gang. <laughs> yeah, there are there are two wolves. Do, in by the way, do you body. know she makes seven thousand dollars a day doing? Yes, that. I saw that, and I was like, I'm, I'm about to go on TikTok, being like, ice cream so good. I will go onto TikTok right now, and every dollar that someone sends my way, I'm willing to get like a pie thrown in my face. <laughs> I'm willing to sit in that machine from What Would You Do where they just like have like the spring arms like hitting you in the face over and over again. <laughs> For $7,000 a day. I will do what you need me to I do. I will do fucking double dare style. I will, get, I will get fucking green slimed every day. <laughs> just go chasing those little flags. <laughs> Oh, he went through the mouth. <laughs> I'll, I'll drive. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking climb the the what the crog or whatever they called that in guts. What was it? Oh, global guts. You remember that show? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Fucking they. What was that fucking? Oh goddamn! What was that fucking thing they used to climb? Mm. I don't remember, but shit, man. We need to find like a TikTok grift, and it needs to be fucking good. I think. I've been telling I, you. I think we're too jaded for conspiracy theories. I think it has to be one of those things where like the ice cream. So good lady where you just like say the same thing over and over again. Ice cream. So good. Uh, it was the super aggro crag, by the way. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Remember that it's going to be on the test next week. So, for those who are listening now, either in the live stream or in the recording, we have a um, Patreon set up right now. If you want to donate to the Second Mouse podcast so we can buy the pieing machine and we can set up a studio in my basement <laughs> where all three of us, Q, Gatto, and myself, are yeah. strapped to a chair like... Yeah. Like ice cream so good zero dark 30 style just being pied in the face for every five dollars we get ice cream so good <laughs> pie so pie in my face so good <laughs> mm, whipped cream <laughs> gang gang and whoever donates like a hundred dollars like you get to like throw like a piece of rebar at us or something for every for every hundred dollars you donate Tom's going to hit me in the knee with a crowbar. <laughs> I don't know if TikTok will let us on with that. I think we're now trending into the dark web, which actually might be more profitable. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, for every like, you know, American Express like travel card that we get or like one of those like disposable American Express cards you get for Christmas, like every hundred dollars we get, like Gatto is going to like put a screwdriver to your kneecap or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's hostile meets TikTok, guys. Yeah, right? ice cream so good as you're ripping <laughs> fucking thumbnails out. <laughs> ice cream so good. We <laughs> get stuck out. <laughs> Jesse, Nate, thanks for the donation. Not the, ears, not the ears, not the ears. 
someone's putting like the gorilla glue tape on your fucking head and then ripping your skin off. <laughs> every every hundred and fifty dollars gets donated. We super glue our mouth shut and then have to open it and rip it apart. Yeah, someone gets like a fish hook through their face. <laughs> Why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> Made like the four hundred dollars, and we have like ten thousand dollars in medical bills <laughs> after. Uh, well, shout out to United Healthcare for helping us out with this one. Thank you for the Peloton twelve month free app. Someone <laughs> donated five hundred dollars. Q, you're gonna have to throw yourself down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I'm. Like... <laughs> it's just ice cream so good all the way down. <laughs> so, Tom, if you were on TikTok. If you were on TikTok and you were doing that, give me three things that you would say based on the gifts. Mm. So for me, it would be mm, hungry. <laughs> that would be one of them for sure. So I think if I were to be pied in the face with a pie machine from what would uh, what would you do? Mm-hmm. It would have to be like bing bong. Bing bong. Okay. Yes. Um. And then if I got like a hot dog emoji, it would be glizzies up. You'd have to to stuff a hot dog in your mouth and eat it. Oh, Um, Joey Chestnut would be perfect with that. Yeah, we can trap him. Yeah, we'll just like. He's like a snake right now. He's like in his basement of his house in Indiana just asleep because he ate 300 hot dogs or whatever. And the third one would be. Hmm. The third one would have to be like something Boar's Head related or something like premium cured meat. Boar's Head's so good. Boar's Head's so good. (laughs) Only the finest and then somebody slaps you in the face. (laughs) I feel like you'd have to say something like Gatto is a war criminal or something. Like Gatto, send Gatto to the Hague. And then there's someone just throws a shot back at you or something. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody hits you in the kneecap with like the vacuum shaft and just like smacks you over and over again with it. Tom, I will pay you money, literal dollars, to go on to create a TikTok account if you don't have one. Go live and do the like because they all do like the create a player thing. Yeah. Like in 2K where it's like like they're constantly moving. And then, like, when someone sends you a gift, you have to do Boar's Head so good. Yum. Like, I need you. I need you to do it. I need it to happen. The only way I could do it is if the folks that are listening, whether through live stream or through the recorded show, follow the show for more, is if you all donate money and I say Boar's Head so good and we're able to purchase enough cured meat. For it to be thrown at me when I say Boar's Head so good. I don't know, man. You look at you seen the prices lately of Boar's Head? I don't know, man. I went Yeah, th- but that's where you gotta be efficient, Q. You gotta go looking through like the Sunday dailies and look for the deals. I have I have not bought all right. I have not bought cold cuts in a while. Because you don't move like I do. And I went to the store <laughs> and I asked for a half a pound of honey maple turkey, and it was like seventeen dollars a pound. And I you was need like, to call your holy dad. shit. You need to call a parent and co-sign that. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, why is this thing a turkey? Like $16.70. How did the interest rates hit the deli counter at Ken Cullen? What the fuck? (laughs) Stop and shop. You've lost your goddamn mind. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. We got to move on. 
to um mm, hungry exactly that thanks actually. for the donation nate <laughs> appreciate it nate. thank you so much um <laughs> we got to move on i i didn't mention this but i had mentioned it when we were chatting through our discord but i wanted to take a few minutes and talk about the absolute fucking this might be an apt expression considering it was a nazi zeppelin but the hindenburg level of disaster that's happening with the ron DeSantis campaign right now yeah um, yeah. I read somewhere that he had like a, he dropped like 29 percentage, like approval points, um, in the last like two and a half months. And he just laid off a bunch of staffers. Um, he's released two very, very, very questionable videos, not him directly, but like either campaign staffers that he's employed or like super PACs that are ran by him where one was like, hyper like homophobic and anti-trans and then the second one had like nazi symbolism at the end with the black sun which is yep. like a very very prominent neo-nazi symbol um subsequently his shining goofy ass face was in the center of it which i'm not really the sure for that the staffer that retweeted that got got was one of them that got fired they did not say whether or not the retweet uh was part of the reason he was let go and uh, that individual, I think his name is Neil Hockman, mm -hmm. um, got a very like glowing like article about him a couple of years ago about how he is the like young and up and coming like GOP consultant that's going to help them win back like votes and states and shit like that. Like we've already seen how unelectable Ron DeSantis is just based on his like absolutely like toilet water personality yeah. but q what does like these last like three or four weeks of him just like constantly fucking up what is this going to do to him oh he's he's already done it's over it's joe over it's over it's over um this is really interesting to me because I've argued for a while that I think Ron DeSantis, either himself or his team, is way too online. Oh, for sure. Way too online. And it's funny because actually the release, like there was a source that came out um, with this whole Neil Hockman thing that apparently he fired some of the staffers who were a little, quote, too online. Um, you think? It's a little too late at this point. Um, because he's cooked. He is in a he is in an impossible position, and I think we predicted that he was going to be out before 2024, and he will be. By the way, he's not making it to 2024. He I will. don't think he's got enough money. No, no. Well, actually, he's third in fundraising um, behind Trump and Biden, who's just who they he's beating DeSantis and Trump combined. Yeah, um, I think it was 30 million for Trump, 20 million for DeSantis, and 70 million for Biden. So it's like he's he's you know, running past all of them. But the funny thing about the Santas is that I don't think he's got the juice. I don't know if you saw his post last night about like a fundraising thing. It got 200 likes last night and he's got like 2 million followers. So he's just, he's not garnering the intention, but we talked about this before and that the Santas doesn't seem to understand that Florida is not the U S yeah, Florida had a mass immigration recently, especially with COVID and everything like that. So all the psychos from New York and California that didn't want to live under the rigid 
fucking COVID structures in those states, which was a joke anyway, they moved to Florida. A lot of them were older. They moved there. They had a big mass immigration. This is what's leading to him having these massive numbers, right? He's not more popular. He barely beat Andrew Gillum um, Mm -hmm. the other time in his initial race. So it's not like Ron DeSantis is this amazing figure, right? He's just popular amongst, but he's in an impossible position. I'll tell you why, because he has to choose a side and he hasn't done that yet. He's either going to lean heavily into uh, being the anti-Trump, right? Which is going to alienate a large faction of the base and is going to piss off the Trump loyalists and things like that. And it's still going to screw him or he can try and be a Trump like guy and align kind of with Trump. But the problem is then why would we vote for you if we can just have Trump? Yeah, there's another guy from Florida running for president and he was president beforehand and he's yep. not nearly as weird as Ron DeSantis. Like, yeah, Donald Trump has his quirks. Let's not get it wrong. Like he's a little sure. bit of an interesting guy. For questionable sure. character for sure for sure but ron d i am confident has like a box of dead animals under his bed <laughs> on his side of the bed anyway these are my friends <laughs> you think he just talks to i know the video is fake i know the video is fake i know the um, hungry video is fake is it though? but like is, is it, it though is it the fact that we didn't know though is telling you exactly all you need to know about Ron DeSantis. The fact that I watched that video and I was like, That's that could have been be him. Fake, that could have been him. God, it's him. Is is so fucking telling. But so anyway. Also, if he goes down the road of being Trump like, right? He alienates a lot of the big Republican donors that he got that he got because he's the the alternative to Trump. But I'm telling you, I I've talked about this this study that uh, multiple times on the, on the, on the podcast that the amount of people that chose trans issues as like their primary, like thing that they care really deeply about was 5% both ways. So people who mm-hmm. strongly support it and strongly are against it. It was 5% of the electorate. He has decided I'm not going to talk about social security and Medicare. I'm not going to talk about the, you know, defense budget. I'm not going to talk about all these massive things. Inflation, which is like the fucking, I would just talk about boar's head prices going up. Like it's literally everywhere. He hasn't, I don't think I've heard Ron DeSantis use the word inflation, but I've heard him talk about trans and woke nonstop. And it's like, buddy, you're not going to win Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania that way. It's just not going to happen. Congratulations. You're going to do, you're going to win two states. You're going to win Texas and Florida. And that's it. Like, that's it. Like, no one else gives a shit other than Texas and Florida about that shit. Yeah. And the thing is, is if he just ran on his record in Florida, he'd be a shoe in for the Republican candidate for president. Like, mm-hmm. because he, if, if he just pitched it this way, like, hey, COVID was certainly bad. But we had a different way of approaching this, but we also were able to grow our economy at the same time and ensure that people were able to have like their personal liberties. I don't necessarily agree with. Like, I, I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, he, he's barely talked about COVID. He hasn't. And every every interview is like, I'm here to leave woke and kill the left 
and leave wokeism on the dustbin of like history. And it's like, guy, guy, that's not what's going to win you an election. Like those are nice to have, but what you need to have is a record of like what you've actually done to move your, like move your um, state forward. Right. And all that progress that he made in the four years in his first term is starting to get rolled back now. Like farmers insurance, AAA, these major insurance companies have left the state. They've canceled all their policies holders. Like they informed all their policyholders, like, hey, we uh, we can't cover your insurance anymore because the state is so fucked up. And the state treasurer just blamed like wokeism for it. And it's like, it's not really it. It's just, you guys are just doing this a really bad way. And then you have the Disney stuff on top of that. Like the reason why people go to Florida, a majority of them is because they want to go to Disney. And Nate, Nasty Nate had mentioned this too. Like there are people who are Republican voters who are upset about the like fight that he has with Disney right now. And what is his stance on LGBTQ issues going to do with the uh, log cabin Republicans as well. Like he's alienating a lot of the people that he actually needs to buy in and invest in him. And the last thing I'll say on this too, is like DeSantis is too weird for like the edge Lords and he's too cringe for the suburbanites. Like you have a video that somebody in your team, a staffer of yours has put Nazi symbology in as like kind of a throwaway. Like, hey, this is our guy. By the way, here's the the black the black sun symbol. No big deal. Carry on. And they have done nothing to address it other than just fire somebody. And I'm telling you, that's going to follow him. And it's going to be really fucking weird for... If he goes any further, if he gets into a debate with Trump, Trump's going to be like, well, why do you have Nazi symbols in your videos? Like, how do you defend that? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 indefensible. And the the biggest problem also is that, like, he doesn't. I don't I don't know how to like he just he's lacking something. He's too. got no gusto, man. Right. He's got no personality. And and okay, so let's talk about the video for a second because if Trump was in that situation, right? What do you think Trump would have done? He would have said, "Oh, I, I, yeah, it's a Nazi. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know it was a Nazi symbol." He wouldn't have deleted it. He would have moved on to something else. He would have been like, "The fact that you're bringing this up means you are the problem." And mm-hmm. what does Ron DeSantis do? He fucking deletes it. He cowers and all that. Always be on defense. Always be on no no. Always be on offense. Excuse me. Always be on offense. That's that's what made Trump Trump, and that's what Ron DeSantis doesn't have. He doesn't have that skill set to be constantly on the offensive. I swear to God. And Trump, you can uh, 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 Tom, you can you can back this up. You called me Trump. That's so I know because you are Trump. <laughs> you, you are my Tom. You're my Trump. You're my Trump. China. Um. <laughs> Let's be real here. Back in 2016, Trump's magic was how slippery he was, right? So you like, couldn't pin anything on him. Something would happen, and everyone like this is going to destroy him. And he was already moved on. He already did something crazier the next day 
so that you were like, well, wait, what about the, what about this? And they're like, we're not talking about that anymore. Forget that. We're on this now. And then by the time people were trying to pin him to the wall for that thing, he moved on to something else. He was fucking Teflon. And DeSantis does, does not have the juice, man. He doesn't have the juice. And I and I said it during the midterms when we saw the initial um, the the voting come out on the midterms. I said the Democrats are cooked because look at Florida. I said if the rest of the country goes like Florida, we're absolutely fucked. And what happened? All of a sudden, eight o'clock came around and like New York, Pennsylvania, stuff started Michigan, to move. I'm like this is looking pretty good actually. It seems like it's just Florida, and then it was Texas, and it's like all right, it's just Florida and Texas, but the rest of the country. Not interested in what the Republicans were serving. So, like, he's been in this, like, isolated chamber. Trump has that magic, too, because, like, he was talking about the trans stuff. You remember when he was talking about the trans stuff? Mm-hmm. And he and everyone was going crazy. He goes, wow, you people, like, I talk about taxes and you guys are falling asleep on me. He's like, I talk about the trans stuff and you guys are going nuts. But, like, he doesn't need to. Trump doesn't need to talk about that stuff because like it doesn't he'll just say it's the woke left and they they cheer like seals. And then he goes back on talking about it was a rape election like but DeSantis feels like he needs to hit that because otherwise he's got nothing. I think there's a deeper issue, too, and it's it's not really a Trump thing, but it's more of like it's more of an issue of the company that you keep. Mm. And I think the Republican Party at least like the edges of the Republican party and who knows, maybe the full fucking thing, but they've done a really good job of like recruiting, like young opinionated males, men who have a weird, like dance around like fascism, Nazism, like, a little bit of clan ideology too. Yeah. And like you've basically like recruited and hired and sent these people through the HR training for like, like this, it's like the staffer class of the Republican party, like the people that found their way into like fucking Ron DeSantis's campaign staff is like the Groper generation. Like, yeah. And this is going to be a problem for a long time because a lot of these little nerds are like 25 or 26 years old and they were probably like the SGA president at their small private liberal arts college, Mm -hmm. or they were the turning point USA representative, a club of one at their private school and nobody would talk to them. And now they're just going to like Andrew Tate their way into all of these like think tanks and like, election campaigns and all of these like political staffing positions. And this is going to actually be a really hard thing to fucking root out. And I would not be surprised if we see more and more and more and more of like the two videos that got put out by the DeSantis election team, where it's like you're bordering on shit that everybody collectively is against. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I think that's something that we need to be like a little bit more observant of some of the, the decisions that they're making when it comes to like the kids that they're hiring. And I call them kids because they're immature fucking weirdos. Yeah. But also like, what's their, what's their ideology when they walk in? Like, you don't just like drop in the black sun symbol. 
No. Like, that's intentional. And, like, if you look at that first Ron DeSantis one where he was trying to troll Trump about being pro-trans, like, it was very, very online. But it was also, like, the 4chan level of online, which is really, really sketchy. And that's, like, that's some, like, high school shooter energy that's going on over there. Yeah, and and I think it's an interesting point, though, Tom, because, like, we've talked about this before that, like, I think overwhelmingly we feel like... 10 years from now we'll be better off and in the sense that like those guys will be older and smarter and they got more money now right the, the more conservative demographics are the people who are now 50 60 70 80 and like the younger generation is more left-minded right more collective-minded at least but you are right though that there are a large faction of young conservatives out there that are not just young conservatives they are groipers like they are the more far right anti-semitic racist you know race science people mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to deal with these people um because like it i think some of them will grow out of it for sure um some of them will i think some of it is just being an edgy teenager we were all edgy teenagers at one point but we didn't we didn't have an online presence we tom we didn't have an online presence we were when we were 13, 14 years I, I'm old. I'm going to correct you there. Like, we went into the woods and drank sparks. Right. Or went on, like, blunt rides. We didn't, right. like, sit in, a, like, a circle and be like, yo, man, maybe the Holocaust wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, we, we had our – I'm sure we had – we went down, like, Alex Jones rabbit holes when we were younger. And, like, it was, like – I, I used to think that like the the moon landing was fake and all that like it more innocent shit right but like also this shit wasn't really mainstream back then so who That's knows how, you know who knows what we would have believed when we were kids so like it's very easy and also I feel bad that a lot of them are probably just loners who are just seeking any type of companionship and then they get down these rabbit holes and it's you know I I, I still think some of them are savable there are some that are not for sure. Um, maybe the majority of them aren't, but like, I think there are a few that will probably eventually grow out of it. But the, the point being though, is that this is going to be something that we have to talk about. Like, yeah, this is gonna the, be something we're going to have to deal with. The scary thing is though, is like guys like Nick Fuentes, like yeah. continue to just like float around and, yeah. you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up at one of his like rallies and spoke for a while, like. And then said, like, oh, I didn't know who this person was. And, like, that's the thing that's the most concerning is, like, these people exist within the ecosystem of the Republican Party. And there's not, like, there's not really a comp to the Democratic Party, right? Like, what, like the Socialist Democrats or something like that or the Democratic Socialists? Like, yeah. No, that's, they're not the same thing. One of them, like, believes that, like, the Nazis were right, and the other one thinks, like, you should be able to have, like, free tampons in the women's room. (laughs) Okay, we're not the same people. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I just, I still think at the end of the day, we'll be better off, uh, but, like, it's going to be a, there's, I, it's weird because it, things have gotten so much more extreme too. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it, you know, most of the Republicans, like they were all racist back then, but they would be like, we want lower taxes. And like, 
that the most they would do is like the Brooks Brothers stuff where they would like, you know, do a mild rally in front of like the voting booths and all that. Yeah. But like, you know, like which was terrible because it led to essentially Bush winning the election. But like my point being that like these guys like seem like they will pull off like Tyler Durden you know levels of violence so yeah and we've already seen that with like people that were arrested around like election depositories with assault rifles and shit like that yeah obviously january 6th but like even the the oath keepers that went on trial and shit like that like they're all kind of like they live in the same kind of like atmosphere of one another and they all kind of float in the same circles and I don't think we've ever had kind of anything close to that in this country's history since like the civil war. It's scary. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is what like, it's funny though, is like Tim pools, like we might be headed for another civil war. And it's like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Tim, <laughs> like, you're not fighting. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what does that even mean? Like there's going to be uniforms and like States are going to go against like, like, what does that even fucking mean? By the way, Tim is going to protest and choose not to fight in that war because a beanie is actually not like a representative service cap that either side is going to have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no, no, no. I stand against both sides. I'm like, what? Because you, you can't wear your little hat? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to, to Hungry DeSantis uh, for a second. Um, because I predicted that I don't think he's going to survive even till 2024. If Vivek Ramaswamy is polling the same numbers as him, he's done. It's so bad. Um, what do you think? Do you think DeSantis makes it to the debate stage? I hope he does. I want him there <laughs> just for the entertainment like side of things. Oh, like, I want to. I want to see him actually turn into a puddle of chocolate pudding on the floor. And like be like Alex Mack and slink away. <laughs> he uh he is it would it the the level of fucking shade that Trump would throw at him at the at the uh debates. I need that to happen. I really do. The other thing too, and the one that's kind of gone underreported is there was that vice documentary about Guantanamo Bay that connects him with a lot of like the like the Camp X-Ray stuff, like the torture station of yeah. Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. It really went underreported. And I mean, if that goes like mainstream and widespread, there would be a lot of questions about like his involvement in potential war crimes. And Trump has already said that he was like against like getting involved in the Iraq war. Like mm. if somebody puts that in front of Trump and like synthesizes the words down to like, DeSantis war criminal bad. Yeah. He can, I mean, he will just tee off on him. And that won't even be like the main course. That will be like your chocolate mousse at the end of the day. <laughs> it's like, DeSantis is a fucking weirdo. Oh, by the way, did he say that he's a war criminal too? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it was the Guantanamo thing, right? And mm-hmm. like, Ron, Ron, I remember like when they questioned Ron about that, he's like, he remembered my face. You're telling me he remembered my face. And it was like, yeah, like I would remember your fucking. You're the only face fucking guy tested. eating pudding and camouflage, you dummy. Mm, hungry. 
All right. So who are we going to waterboard today, boys? <laughs> uh, do you want me to give you a spoon? No. This is SEAL training right here. This is real spoons right here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think – at this point, I don't think DeSantis is a serious threat, but if we could like parlay some of that money that we make from like our like torture TikTok that we're putting yeah. together yeah. and just donate that to DeSantis just to get him on the stage. And if that means that you and I have to call like a political polling place and say like we would vote for DeSantis so we can get him to 1%, <laughs> dude, let's do it. Like your fridge is broke, sell it. Like, get some money. Let's put a super pack together and we can get him on the stage and just watch him get creamed by Trump. God, I. And if I, Chris Christie comes in and just like does like the like the no look spin jumper on him, then I just I just want to see Trump come out like Jeffrey Ross at the like the Comedy Central roast. Like, and bald. just goes, he goes, Ron, you eat pudding with your fingers. Chris Christie, you're fat. Like, I just want to see, and everyone, like, it's almost like a crowd. They're just going fucking nuts, and I that's all I want to see. I would I want just, Trump to come out with no wig and no makeup. He's like, I didn't even get done up for this because these people are not fucking worth it. I'm about to end your whole career without any of my shit on right now. Yeah. I kept my golf attire on that I wear for every golf round ever and don't change. This piece of shit. He's a war criminal. <laughs> This motherfucker closed the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> Asa Hutchinson, I don't know who you are. Oh, God. Nikki Haley, you're not an outsider. Losers. Tim Scott, good luck. <laughs> Go, what, what did uh, Nikki Haley say that one time? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Hang on. I think we actually have a recording of that, too. Here we go. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Oh, my God, dude. It's so funny. All right, last topic here, um, and it's one that's very important. So the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer have both come out. They came out last Friday, and there, was, and there was much rejoicing. I have not seen either one of the films, but I'm going this weekend. Um, but I really wanted to – and Q, I don't know if you've seen it since you were on your deathbed for like 48 hours. But um, one of the things that – we have both seen a lot of traction online is the right wing like meltdown about Barbie and then the chronically online left wing outrage about Oppenheimer. And I think it'd be really interesting to like break down both of those areas. Hmm. So Q, I'll toss it to you. Where do you want to start? I think we can kind of, um, well, it's a question. This is this is. I'll throw one back at you because a lot of people you can't answer doing, a question with a question. I can. Um, this is this, a lot of people have been doing the Barbenheimer, which is essentially you do a double feature like the same day. If you were to do that, which one would you see first? I think I would see Oppenheimer first, and then Barbie would be a nice thing to see. So I'm not like suicidal on my way. Home. See that that that's a lot. Of, it's a very common thing, but I've heard that it's been backfiring on a lot of people because they go to Oppenheimer, and then by the time Oppenheimer is over, they're like just depressed, and they're like, "I don't want to go laugh at a Barbie movie right now." 
See, I don't know if I could sit through a three-hour movie as the second leg of that, though. Yeah, that's that'd be tough. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're cheery after Barbie, so it's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to go get my soul ripped out of me. If, if I was able to I am go... destroyer of worlds, Tom. I am yeah, if I was able to go to, like, a movie theater that serves, like, a cute cocktail for mm. one, and then just fucking, like, the hardest bourbon you could find for the second one, <laughs> I think I'd be able to swing it, but... I feel like I'm interested you need to have drinks after. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel like Oppenheimer is the one that you're sitting in like the bowling alley bar, just like with your head in your hands, like really worried about things later. I think Tom Cruise said that he was gonna see Barbie first and then Oppenheimer. Also, shout out to the cult leader. Like he was not taking sides. He was like, I love popcorn, I love the movies, I'm so excited. Like And it's so sad because I on a side note, it looks like Mission Impossible tanked. And I'm so sad because the reviews. I heard it been, was really, really good. The reviews have been fucking amazing, and it just really whoever fucking scheduled that movie, man, you fucked up. Yeah, because you sure. line it up next to Barbie and Oppenheimer like that, it was just uh, terrible. But all right, so we're getting back on track here. Um, let's start with Barbie because I don't have a ton to say about Oppenheimer, um, but I we've been talking about it, and Ben Shapiro has put out almost two hours worth of content about Barbie recently. Oh, fucking nerd. It's funny to me because it's a movie by Greta Gerwig, who anybody knows Greta Gerwig, she is inherently very feminist and like I wouldn't say a leftist, but like certainly like a lib, you know. So it's not I've not seen Barbie. I don't know what I don't understand how it correlates to like the real life. Like, I don't know. I don't know any of the essentials of the movie, but I imagine it's inherently very feminist. And imagine that like the Ken character is going to be the foible in this movie. Um, so like, I don't know why people are like surprised that like a movie about Barbies is not feminist. Like, what did you what did, what what was I'm gonna ask you, Tom? What do you think Ben Shapiro was hoping to get out of a Barbie movie? Um, a blonde version of his sister. <laughs> I listen. That's it. I hate I you're gonna I'm I'm gonna be the bad guy after this. <laughs> I'm gonna be the bad guy after this, Tom. Okay. <laughs> Wood. Uh, I mean, my most controversial wood. I, I think that's um, inappropriate wood, but all the same. It's my most controversial, but I must speak truth. I, 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 I would hate that dinner party with Ben there. Nah, you haven't talked to my sister. Because he would that's also he would also be the like the brother who asks weird questions and makes everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, hey, that's what my sister is. Hey, my ben, job. Can you uh, pass the wine? He's like, yeah, you're fucking my sister. You might as well have some wine. I'm like, Ben, like, dude, we're right here. Like, Jesus. Like, yeah. <laughs> the um, most controversial of woods. <laughs> my most controversial wood. It really is. I don't know what to say. But like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. And honestly, the outrage is also like, there with like i was watching breaking points the other day and crystal ball like melted yeah. down that she was like barbie movie was terrible like 
it was all about penis jokes and stuff like that. It's like, lady, you did no fucking research before you walked in. You thought this was going to be like the Barbie cartoon. Did you not read who like the producers of this, who the writers were, who the director was? Like you didn't like do any kind of like, you walked into a movie cold. That was the shit that I used to do when I was 15. And we were going to the movies like four days a week. And we were just looking for something to do. Like we would go in and just like, hey, this movie is like playing. It's a movie. Let's go. She's like, my six-year-old never got any of the jokes. I'm like, this is like the one time where I'm telling you like PG-13 means PG-13. Like the show, the movie is not actually designed for your child. It's, But it's also like it kind of is and kind of isn't, right? It's one of those movies that like it's colorful and there's songs in it from what I've heard. So like that captures the young audience and then there's the dick jokes for the adults and the kids won't get it. But yeah. it's for you because you have to sit through the fucking movie. This is Greta Gerwig's previous directing jobs. She did Barbie, Little Women, the recent Little Women adaptation, and Lady Bird. So for anybody who's never seen those movies, like they're all feminist movies. Yeah, I also don't remember like Little Women being pitched as like a like kids film either. No, like the source material is very fucking adult. Like right, and Lady Bird is essentially kind of like a coming of age tale for a young woman. So it's like you know, it's it's not, it is not a movie that like is really made for children. But also, like, I don't know what Crystal like again. What is Crystal Ball and what is Ben Shapiro hoping to get out of this movie? That's the thing I don't understand is like, what were you sitting down? What would have been the great moment of where you would have gotten up and clapped afterwards and been like, yes, this is what I wanted to see. Like it's a Barbies were inherently a feminist thing, right? Because like they like Barbie was an astronaut, a doctor, an architect, a a lifeguard. Like, but it's also a lot of range from Barbie. It was two-sided, right? Because it pissed people like Barbie was pretty interesting because it the the toy because it pissed a lot of people off, but at the same time was also very inherently feminist. There was a lot of that, like astronaut, things like that, but also it created like the negative body image thing too. So it it really did what it really did become controversial on both sides. So that's kind of an interesting thing about it, right? But like when you see Greta Gerwig and you see, you know, Margot Robbie, and it's a PG-13 movie. Like, you know, this is not going to be Barbie's fucking playhouse cartoon, right? Like you were saying before. Yeah, that movie is 25 minutes long. Yeah, and in the commercials, there's a scene where they're in Mattel with Will Ferrell there. So, like, you have to know that this movie is going to be weird and venture out to, like, the real world and, like, Barbie world. And, like, it's going to be – it's not a Barbie movie in the sense that, like, your, your kids are watching it. So, and and one of the like the opening lines of the trailer is Barbie dancing saying, "Have you all ever thought about death?" Like right, that should right. have been kind of like that could have been like you reading the back of the book to find out what the story is about. Like and if it's you so thought it was stupid. like and that's the thing is like a part of me is like Ben Shapiro I 100% guarantee I would bet all of our torture TikTok money on the fact that Ben Shapiro was actually the little man in black block, black block Antifa clothing in the movie theater, laughing his fucking ass off <laughs> with the Barbie Corvette with the popcorn that was sixty five dollars. 
Mm. That little nerd had the time of his life. And I'm 100% confident that Crystal Ball was just asleep the whole time for the whole thing. But there there is money to be made on the controversy of it. Of course. And that's all it is. And that's it. Like, Ben loved it. Crystal Ball didn't get it. That's fine. Um, But I... I don't understand like how like the edge lords hate it because God forbid there's like a feminist funny like feminist yeah. heroine in it. And it seemed like Ryan Gosling had the time of his fucking life on that. So They're he wasn't about Oscar. Yeah. Oscar buzz he for him. He wasn't just like movie. some like simp like loser in it. Like it seems like he had a fun time doing it. He's yeah. gonna win an award for it if Robert yeah. Downey Jr. doesn't win it, like or Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Jesse Plemons too, or Jesse Plemons. Like, there's yeah. a lot of shit going on right now. It's gonna be a loaded Oscar for supporting actor. Is gonna be loaded, and also too, like I like taking a step back, like, and we'll get into Oppenheimer in a minute, but like those three movies, Flowers of the Killer Moon, which hasn't come out yet. Barbie and Oppenheimer are like the three non-sequel, prequel, comic book movie or franchise film that has come out this year. Yeah. Like we need to acknowledge the fact that there is zero fucking creativity in Hollywood right now because everything is a franchise. And at least these three movies are taking some chances. And whether you liked Barbie or not, whether you like Oppenheimer or not, whether you're going to like or not like Flowers of the Killer Moon, you have to appreciate the fact that there at least somebody is fucking trying now. Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, and I'll give Greta Gerwig credit. I, I like Lady Bird. The movie's making money. Like, yeah. you, you can't say that it doesn't and people don't like it because people are fucking showing up and yep. money is money. Yeah, I, I, I agree that I think this is like, this is a good thing. Like and in the Mission Impossible movies, even though that's a franchise, and I know it's a franchise, like it's but still it's different. Movie, it's right? different though, right? It, yeah, the IP is Mission Impossible, which was never really. I'd argue the show was never as big as the movies ever got. Like, so I would argue that it's it's not an original IP, right? But like, it kind of is. Like, they made mm-hmm. it their own thing. Yeah. So I, I no one like no one really knows the Mission Impossible TV show. It's from like the fifties. So it's like yeah. who cares? And the Mission Impossible first movie came out in like ninety nine or ninety eight. Ninety six, I think. Yeah. And I watched it the first yeah. time in like twenty years a few weeks yeah. ago. It's okay. That, that movie is so fucking fast. Yeah. Like it goes very quick. Isn't it amazing those those movies again getting sidetracked by Mission Impossible because the fucking cult god, he's he he wins and wins. Yeah. Um, Mission Impossible one, it's okay to me. It's okay. I liked it. I didn't love it. Mission it Impossible took a 2, lot of like brain power to get to like figuring out how to how it ended. Yes. Mission Impossible two, I despise. I hate. Nah, that movie sucked. Sucked. Mission Impossible three though, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's got some life in it, but like Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy in this movie. <sighs> God, man, I miss him because yeah. he was so good in that movie. And then every movie from that point just got better and better and better and better and better. So um, shout out to Tom Cruise, man. He loves popcorn. He loves movies. I, I think there's like there are obviously problematic things about Tom Cruise, like the fact that he hasn't seen his child in like 25 years or he thinks he's going to like when he dies, he's going to go to space, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But he's a psycho. 
at least he is somebody who likes to do fun movies. Like yeah. the Jack Reacher movies, Mission Impossible, Top Gun. Like he cares about the quality of the movie. And Tropic Thunder too. Like he has no problem like kind of making fun of himself too. Yeah. Like he has a lot of range and he's willing to try cool shit. Controversial. I love Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Hot take. I, I know. I know. Hot take wood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I don't love the Scientology stuff. And like, yes, I get it. But like, if we're speaking, if we're separating the art from the artist, you know, and all that, like, I love his shit. Like, I, I when I see Tom Cruise in a movie, I get excited. Except yeah. For the mummy. Did not my like man movie. broke his ankle in a Mission Impossible film. Does his own stunts. Does his own stunts. In his he's, 60s. He's like five years younger than my father. Yeah. Still doing He's stunts. older than my father. And like he's jumping out of fucking airplanes and shit. Like hanging onto airplanes as they're taking off, jumping off bikes off cliffs and shit. Like anyway, we'll get into that later. But Beast. Moving on to like the Oppenheimer. the Oppenheimer shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've been following like the Twitter pandemonium about like this is an ignore thing for me. I read it, I read the tweets, and then I was like, I'm not getting, I'm not reading this shit. So, so, so to catch up everybody who has not seen it, there is like a contingent of individuals online who are upset at the film Oppenheimer for a number of reasons. One, there is the belief that the film glorifies like white supremacy and also like the like mass murder of the Japanese people during World War II but also that there are no Japanese people that have any representation in the film itself. And there's been a lot of back and forth between like people who are chronically online on Twitter and historians that are trying to like set the record straight. Like this is also a very common narrative that happens in world war II is because the Japanese experienced the only nation on the planet that experienced an atomic weapon being used in aggression against them, that they're somehow the victims. Yeah. But the argument is like, the historians are like, no, 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 no. The allies were the good guys. Like, let's remember who the Japanese aligned themselves with. Right. And the, the, the racial supremacy piece of the Japanese empire gets kind of muffled because the Nazis kind of take over that conversation, but there was very much an ethnic supremacy between the empire of Japan against China, South Korea and Southeast Asia. Yeah. And it's just, it's very interesting to see the like complaints against Barbie. And then on this side of like the United States is bad because they, we created a film about J Robert Oppenheimer. I, I get frustrated in the ways that people consume media nowadays, that everything has to be perfectly aligned politically for them to like it or not like it. Mm-hmm. There, there has been multiple times where there, especially in Japanese media, where there's been like the coverage of, you know, the atrocities of, you know, the atomic bomb. And the fact that like, 
I agree that like Japan, like, yeah, they were they were literally aligned with Hitler. So but like, unfortunately, the people paid for that. Right. Like the innocent citizens of, you know, of, of these the, these cities, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, like they didn't deserve that. Right. So like you can see it from both sides that like, yes, clearly we were in a war with these people. But at the same time, you like taking out Japanese citizens. It'd be one thing if you bombed, not maybe nuclear bomb, um, like their, you know, generals and shit. You know, that'd be like no one would have given a shit. Right. Because it would have been like clearly going against people part of the war. But I, I, I get frustrated by this because like everything needs to be perfectly politically aligned. But also. I don't know how you like I again I haven't seen the Oppenheimer movie, but everything I've heard of it is that like it is a line to basically talk about the fact that like this was a horrible thing. Right? Like Oppenheimer's whole thing was feeling a sense of duty, based on what I know of him historically, is that he felt a sense of duty that the Nazis were gonna build a bomb. They were already ahead of schedule on them. So they built the bomb as quickly as they could to essentially have the deterrent. It gets used, and then he has a mental breakdown because he ha- he feels responsible for the ongoing, you know, nuclear arms race. And if somehow the war ended before, like he literally calls him destroyer of world, you know, like he literally calls himself the head. So, like, I don't understand where and, like, where this is going to be, like, somehow, like, a bro movie. Like, yeah, the Allies win again, man. We're awesome. Like, I, I, I like, Harry Truman, like, it, didn't the FBI start tra- trailing him as a communist later in his life, too? Well, a number of the individuals involved in the Manhattan Project were already, like, card-carrying communists or members right. of, like, the Socialist Party. Like, right. The U.S. government knew that a number of them were either aligned with communism or they were actually like plants from the Soviet Union. But they're like, these are the smartest people that we have that are like physicists and like energy people like we need them to build this thing. And the Germans are already moving on something like this. The Soviet Union has like tinkered around with some shit. But like we need to we need to get to work on this fast. Yeah. And the war in Europe ended at the beginning of May 1945. But in the Pacific theater, still going on like and I. What you said about like the perfection of like the political experience like resonates a lot because. There is a lot about the Pacific theater of operation in world war two that people truly don't pay attention to because Europe like sucks all the oxygen out of the room. Like Mm. there were incredible war crimes that happened in the Pacific from the Japanese in Korea, in China, in like the Philippines, like this was not like good on good fighting. And like, The United States was trying to end this war as quickly as possible. And they had these weapons at their disposal. The U.S. dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Hmm. And the Japanese still didn't surrender. Yeah. They did it at Nagasaki, still didn't surrender. It wasn't until the Soviet Union declared war on Japan that they surrendered. Yeah. Like, and I think people don't realize, and this is what the historians were saying too, is like, 
think about a actual invasion of Japan, like in 1946, what that would look like, what that would constitute. And they mm-hmm. said like there, it was broken up into two phases. The major thing was called Operation Downfall. And it was broken up into the invasion of the southern islands of Japan and then the invasion of the northern the, the northern section of the island of Japan. And it would cost anywhere between 100,000 to a million American casualties. Now, you like quadruple that with like Japanese soldiers, airmen, sailors, civilians. Right. And there's no guarantee that it's going to end. The Purple Hearts that are given out today are leftovers from 1945. Because they printed like 200,000 of them with the expectation that those are the level of casualties they were going to have. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know, like, how does this war end then? It, it actually didn't end because the atomic bomb. And it wasn't like the, the American Army Air Corps was not bombing Japan already. Right. Like the firebombing of Japan is already very well known. Yeah. If you've watched the film The Fog of War, we're... Robert McNamara talks about the bombing of Japan, the napalm bombing of all of these Japanese cities. They flattened every city and they made like a comparison of like, this city is an equitable size to Indianapolis. Like we were bombing places the size of like Birmingham, Alabama in Mm. 1945. Like none of that was ending the war. And the notion that like, the notion that the United States is somehow this like horrible place because we were the only ones that got there first and used this weapon. Like some, somebody was going to use this thing. Hmm. And I think people need to have a little bit more gravity and understanding of like, how does this war end if these weapons are not used? <sighs> yeah. It, it, listen, it's one of those things that I still like ever since I learned about it, I, I it's one of those things that I still ponder of like, was it the right decision? I, I think a lot of people like Harry Truman, like, I, yeah, he's not a good guy, but like at the end of the day, like you're right. How, how long would it have gone and would it have gone in our favor if we didn't do it? So it, it, these are complicated questions that I don't think that we can just answer with a yes or no. I think there's a lot of nuance to it. And I think that's where I lose interest in these conversations. Because they're unserious. Mind. They're not it's serious. totally unserious. And it's like you're talking about a movie about Robert Oppenheimer. And we're talking about Japanese voices in this movie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The whole point is that like he his whole arc in like I'm guessing what's going to be the second half of the movie or if it's intercut some way is how he feels after becoming the destroyer of worlds. Right. Like the fact is that he feels every life loss because of what he did. He felt the sense of duty to help his country and to defeat the Nazis, right? Which is the whole point of using it. But the after effects of using it, that some people will justify it in every single way. Some people are against it in every other way. And then somebody like him who probably felt that sense of confliction in that, like, you ended the, you helped end the war. It didn't end the war directly, but it, it was a huge component of why it ended, and led the Allies to win. But at the same time, you not only kill people that were there, but then you also are going to subject them to birth defects for the next 20, 30, 50 years, 
right, of children being born in those areas that are now like subjected to this, the future pain, the future lives that were lost. And like clearly he felt that. There's the the there was the I heard the story about him going into Harry Truman, you know, into the Oval Office and saying that he's like he's death and like he's got blood on his hands. He's got blood on his hands. And Harry Truman just dismissing him and like, get this guy out of my fucking get him get him out of my sight. Like that's like that is the whole fucking point of the movie. Is like it's it's following his arc. And like the fact that people like take away that it's like some kind of bro team America movie is again, I still haven't seen it, but I can't imagine Christopher Nolan, too, who is inherently very sensitive to a lot of these ideas. Like, I can't imagine walking like I again, I'll 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 give a report after I see it, but I just I don't see any way, shape or form that it's going to be a movie like that. And also, like. Speaking it from the Japanese perspective is very strange for a movie in called Oppenheimer about Robert Oppenheimer. So right. I, I don't understand it. Not everything I, has to be from the voices of the victims. And and in some cases too, like if I also didn't hear this complaint we were talking about imitation game too, when they were deciphering the Enigma code machine. Like, well, did we have the perspective of the German like code operators right. like and what that meant like right. what about the u-boat captains right like, exactly <laughs> it's so, it's just silly man people yeah. are just finding something to like get on a soapbox and like there are legitimate stuff that like you can go out there and, and i will agree with that i think there is not enough like and i think i think we're gonna have interesting conversations about um the new scorsese movie Mm-hmm. Um, because that's going to be a big conversation about natives and and the the whole experience of of white people essentially kind of barging in and taking what they want. Um, but I feel like it's going to be more of a deft hand and, and and more focused on that. But I'm tired of having these conversations about. Every, sometimes movies are just movies, man. And like you know, we're we're getting a perspective of Robert Oppenheimer, and like I don't think it needs to be shrouded with unnecessary stuff because like at the end of the day like it would be weird to have a movie about called Oppenheimer and then all of a sudden have you know the perspective of the Japanese you know from it just it, it, I, at that time it was just a it was the bomb like they didn't know whether it was not going to work or whether it was going to blow up the entire world. Like yeah, when, they that test, when the Trinity project started, they didn't yeah. know what was going to happen. Like they had a number of theories, but it wasn't until it actually went off. And I, I think you also need to look at like the perspectives of like Robert Oppenheimer clearly was remorseful about his involvement in the use of the atomic weapon Absolutely. Don't hear a whole lot from Einstein. No, I don't. I don't know if anybody ever asked him. But also at the same time, he escaped Germany in 1938. So I think he also was like, "Let's go get these motherfuckers." But at the same time, too, like if you're Harry Truman and you've like FDR dies three months ago or four months before you have to make this decision, and what you're looking at is a like massive invasion, like uh, 10 times larger than anything else that's ever been done, including D-Day and the invasion of Okinawa. And also too, like Harry Truman was like, 
after Robert Oppenheimer like left his office and said, I have blood on my hands. He said like, don't ever bring that motherfucker in here. (laughs) Like I'm the one who has to make that decision. He just built the fucking thing. I'm the one that has to choose whether to kill a hundred thousand people or not. And we'll get into why you think Harry Truman is a piece of shit. Cause I think he's actually a pretty good guy, but um, I, I think you also need to like understand that perspective of like, we can't look at everything through the lens of peace. Right. And we're looking at, we have to look at this through the lens of a total war that is happening. A war that has like eventually killed 65 million people prior to the dropping of the atomic bomb. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think, but like, I think my, my overall consensus from the Oppenheimer, like, and again, it's not like a, like a huge thing. It just seems to be like a couple people kind of chirping on Twitter, but it's, it's also um, a lot of people with like, like with like a Chinese tilt to it also. Yeah. And I, I, it's just weird to me that every, not every piece of media has to have the correct political message to be good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, gonna go here and tell you the sound of freedom go see it guys like you know i'm not gonna gonna be the one to to be telling you that like there are limits to where i will go like i'm not interested in that movie because like you know it's also bullshit too it is complete bullshit and uh, there's been a lot of conversations about the guy behind it and uh tim ballard is yeah what, what he might be up to uh behind the scenes uh so there's a lot of there's a lot of conversations about that um, but like at the end of the day, like I, I have faith that Christopher Nolan did this with a deft hand and was sensitive to the fact of like, you know, people were affected by this. And I, I, I feel like some people are just not satisfied or just ultimately like to just cause like it wasn't left enough for them. You know, <laughs> it's like it's a movie about fucking Oppenheimer. I don't know what I don't know what you were expecting, you know? Yeah. We all know how this movie ends. Like, right. <laughs> like, this isn't a Quentin Tarantino revisionist history movie, you know? Right. Oppenheimer does cocaine and then fucking bitch slaps fucking Hitler and, you know, declares himself the winner of the war. Like, it's not how it's going to happen. So, I don't know. I, it just it just seems weird to me. But I am, I am very excited for Oppenheimer. Um, I'm less enthused about Barbie only because like it, I heard it's a lot of musical stuff. I'm not a huge musical guy. Um, so, but I'm, I'm interested. I want to see them both on the same day, but I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I have five hours. To yeah. I don't know if I have the stamina to end yeah. like the, the cash flow to go to the movie theater and <laughs> drop like a fucking car payment on yeah, tickets no. and like something to drink. I might be interested. Well, I might be interested in like going to like, barbie and then maybe like getting drunk and going to oppenheimer you know like maybe in that sense but i don't know i don't know doing a lot of like legal mushrooms and then going to see oppenheimer yeah yeah exactly oh god (laughs) when the explosion happens you just run out of the theater and fucking get me out of here oh no all right also if i'm gonna see oppenheimer i have to see it in imax so sure yeah. yeah, and there's also the whole controversy too that there's only like 15 IMAX theaters that play in 70 millimeter too, which is honestly a bigger cover up than the moon landing, in my opinion, because everything was branded as an IMAX theater, and it turns out there's only like a handful of them, and one of them's in like 
Blanding, I don't even know if, like Blanding, Utah. Like who the fuck? Yeah, I don't even know if there is one near us. Um, it might it's be probably in New York, in City. New York City. You might need yeah, to go to the city. It's in Lincoln Square, and that's it. So I don't even I don't even have a one by me. The closest um, one that we have is in like Georgia, and it's not yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, I don't know where the fuck this thing is. I'm not. I'm not going over to Lincoln Square to go see Oppenheimer. I'm. You know what? I, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna watch it on my phone. <laughs> yeah, just as no one intended it. <laughs> I'm gonna go like I'm gonna turn off the Wi-Fi and just go sit on my back porch and like some somewhere just, somewhere right now Christopher Nolan is sobbing in the corner. He heard you say that and he is sobbing. Right I'm just gonna stream it on my iPhone Mini from like seven years ago. <laughs> I'm gonna have my iPod Mini. It's in like 720p. <laughs> oh, God. And have like the like the airplane headphones in. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Giant That's crack funny. going through the center of my screen. <laughs> this is good. I like this movie. <laughs> this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is Oppenheimer? I can't see. It's all black and white. <laughs> oh no! All right, let's move on. Uh, let's go to, let's wrap this up. Let's do assholes and picks of the week. Um, keep this really short and simple. Q, who you got for assholes? I'm, I'm going to do the opposite and, uh, I'm going to do my hero of the week. And it's Mr. Joe Shane from, uh, the New York giants. Uh, we're back in football season, Tom. It's almost August. We're back. We're so back. We're so fucking back. It's not Joe over. It's Joe started. Um, the New York Giants in the last two days, I mean, so, you know, going back in the beginning of the offseason, um, the Daniel Jones, everyone was talking about the contract, how it was bad. Um, I don't think it was that bad. It's it's after it's there's an out after two years. Um, so essentially, it's like it's kind of like a two year sample um, and it's not that expensive in retrospect to how much the quarterbacks are making now. If you just saw how much um, Justin Herbert got yesterday. The point being, though, is that he locked up Dexter Lawrence on a manageable figure, very close to what the Reds, uh, the Washington Commanders paid for. Um, I can't remember his name. It escapes me. Deron um, Payne. Payne. Thank you. I think Dexter Lawrence is an ascending player. Um, he's locking up the, the key players. And then we had the Saquon drama. And listen, I've talked to nauseam about how I think the running back position is devalued. We saw the market, what it was. Miles Sanders was like arguably the top running back that wasn't franchise tagged, that was unavailable in the open market. He had an amazing season last year with the Eagles. And guess what? He made $6 million per year with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Why would the Giants, and especially because the Giants had offered Saquon Barkley anywhere from 13 to $14 million per year, he turned it down due to the guarantees. And I like Saquon personally, but I think his representatives did a bad job. I think they did a bad job at like managing his contract. I think they expected the contract to go up, and it didn't. He wanted Christian McCaffrey money. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. They came to an agreement yesterday. Saquon signed a one-year contract worth up to $11 million. It's essentially the franchise tag with some incentives into it. He's not going to hit those incentives based on what I saw. It's like 1,600 rushing yards. It's like 11 total touchdowns. And they and they being tied to the playoffs, they have to make the playoffs also. So he could hit all those numbers, and if they don't make the playoffs, he doesn't get the incentives. And the incentives are 900K. 
after this long standoff to get Saquon Barkley to sign a very friendly deal that, and also by the way, they, there was no, you can throw an agreement into those deals so that like you can't franchise tag him the next year. Nothing was thrown in. Hmm. So the giants could theoretically franchise Saquon next year, not overpaying because Dave, Dave Gettleman was at the helm. He would have gave him 20 million per year. Yeah. Guaranteed money, all that. And then today, because there was a lot of talk about how the Giants are doing a bad job because they're they're alienating their fucking they're alienating the locker room, they're alienating people. They signed Andrew Thomas, their young twenty three year old left tackle, to a five year, one hundred and seventeen point five million dollars a year contract. It's essentially a six year deal because it's an extension, so he's already got this year wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Sixty seven million fully guaranteed doesn't seem like a lot. To me, um, he could have Andrew Thomas could have easily waited, played out this year on his sixteen million dollar salary, whatever he's making this year. Um, his fifth year, his, I think it's his fourth season, so he's going to be making that amount of money. And he could have waited, and if he waited another year, he probably could have gotten a lot more, if, especially if he had another season like he did this past this past season. But he locked him up now. He's now locked up until 2029, which I think would be his like age 28 or 29 season, lining himself over another contract. But it's a very friendly deal, ultimately, not nearly what I expected that he was going to make. So Joe Shane has been very quietly um, making moves that have been really, really interesting to me that like even though with a, a tougher schedule this year, I'm very confident in how the Giants are going to play. And we, we, we've talked about the Kadarius Tony thing. He gets him for a third round pick. He swaps that pick for Darren Waller. Darren Waller, by the way, day one of camp was electric. I've been seeing highlights. I know it's seven on seven. I know they're not playing defense, but man, he looks fucking good. He's a dynamic player. And by the way, Kadarius Tony tweaked his knee or his ankle or something like that. And, and so. look, I don't take any pleasure in that. Like, I don't. It's a shame, I, though, right? It's yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's the Jerry Seinfeld gift. That's, that, that's a shame. Uh, I don't take any pleasure in a young man having another injury. But like, this was the reason why I was completely cool with trading him because, like, I've yet to see this guy play a full season in which he doesn't get hurt. He'll come back and he has these like really great games, and then he gets injured again. That's just, I just don't see a number one dynamic receiver that you can rely on for 17 weeks a year. It's just not going to happen. So I'd rather take a chance on a guy like Darren Waller. Um, So to me, every move that Joe Shane has made has been great. As far as I'm concerned, he's locked up the people that I wanted locked up. Uh, There have been guys like Julian love and, you know, who have left and I'm not really like that sad about it. It's like, it's, you know, it sucks losing guys that you like, but I don't think it's anything that put this, this team in a bad position, but at least we have a GM that finally – his drafts are, are going to be remain to be seen. I'm very encouraged, but, like, you know, we don't know anything about these guys yet. It takes three or four years, and we're only in year two. Yeah, and I will say, too, like, I don't think that Kadarius Tony did himself any favors when he was talking shit to Aziz Ajalari, so which weird. was so weird. It was, yeah, it was so, so weird. Like, he – he is Oshilari like, was like, nobody liked you here. Like <laughs> he, he went and won a, he got traded to the Kansas city chiefs. He's playing with Patrick Mahomes. He wins a fucking super bowl. He scores a touchdown in the super bowl. You would think that if anybody asked him about the giants, he'd be like, I don't care. 
Like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm winning. over that. Yeah, yeah whatever, man. That. It was whatever. It's in the past. He's obsessed with Giants fans. He's obsessed because he gets so mad at anybody that like questions his abilities and during the time in New York. Take the L, man. It was a bad experience. It was a bad move for everybody. You were part of the previous administration. Dave Gettleman drafted him. Joe Shane had no ties to him. He drafted Wandell Robinson to be his replacement. It was kind of in the air the entire time that he wasn't going to be here long term. And like, yeah, I was encouraged by his abilities, but like he never put it together. So Joe Shane, um, again, I don't know. This is literally walking into year two. So year one was positive. We'll see what happens this season. Daniel Jones is going to be the X factor here because if Daniel Jones goes out there and has a good season, then we're talking about a legitimate team here. But if, uh, if he falters, then we're back kind of back to square one, but I am never, I have not been this encouraged by an executive for the New York giants in a long fucking time, because even with Jerry Reese, who the giants won two super bowl rings under, it always kind of felt like they lucked themselves into the super bowls rather than like, he did a great job at roster building. They weren't a top tier team ever. They always snuck into the playoffs and then got hot. Yeah. I legitimately believe that based on what I'm seeing, Brian Dable and Joe Shane could build a consistent winner over, over years, but it's going to take time. And I, but I think we're off to a good start. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out with Daniel Jones, you just so happen to fall into probably one of the deepest quarterback classes in the last like 10 years. So. Between Quinn Ewers at Texas and, you know, Caleb May and, um, you know, all the uh, Drake May. Um, Drake May, Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams. Yeah. yeah. Like I, Quinn I'm, Ewers, I'm, like, that's the guy you pick. <laughs> have you watched Quinn Ewers? I've watched Texas football. They ain't nothing. Listen, I, right I, I, listen, listen. I was watching some Quinn Ewers the other day, and he is interesting, man. He is very interesting to me. So I, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna surprise some people this year. Okay, um, but there's a lot of guys in this draft that I'm just very interested in at the quarterback position. So I, I, and listen, I have faith that if like this is the way of thinking, right? Is that we're, with Dave Gettleman, we were always like always fearing every single move. The fact that Joe Shane and Brian Dable really wanted Daniel Jones back and like paid a little bit more to get him back than they probably wanted to speaks to me that like they clearly think that there's more meat on the bone there with him. Mm-hmm. So I feel confident at this point that with with Mike Kafka back and Brian Dable there, he, maybe they let loosen the reins a little bit and let him throw a little bit more. And uh, again. These beat writers, I, there's a couple beat writers that I listen to that I know are unbiased and are not just homers for the Giants. Like there's like guys like Ralph Acchiano where like he's pretty much on the payroll. Like so I don't really pay attention to him. Art Stapleton, um, great reporter for the for the Giants. He said today that Daniel Jones' arm strength looks different this year. He was working on that in the offseason. It looks like he's got a stronger ball. Tom Brady did get a stronger arm. He's, he credits uh, offseason training to that from when he entered the NFL. I look at Daniel Jones and I say that, like, he's got potential still. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's reached his best ab- best abilities yet. So. It's hard to judge a guy when he's either been hurt or they've had multiple coordinators and he's had both situations happen. hundred percent. So I think you need to give him last year, 
numbers weren't really there, but at least like the confidence was there. They passed the eye win. test though. Yeah. The, the games they won looked pretty good. They yeah. went to the playoffs. They won a game. Um, and now like, I feel like a lot of guys need that building year and this could be like a real breakout year for them. And who knows, they might have like signed him to a steal. And I, I don't think that if you, if you're in a contract year, I don't think as a quarterback, you leave New York to go to like fucking Tampa. No, no, I don't think so either. But also, like the the receiving options are much better this this year. Hodgins gets a full year. If you fleshed out Isaiah Hodgins' numbers, um, from the last few, like if you over a seventeen game, if you averaged it based on what he was doing every week, he was a thousand yard receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris Campbell, who I'm very interested to see again. I don't think he's fucking, you know, I don't think he's gonna be a superstar. But like. It's a very interesting taking a guy from a bad team with bad quarterback play to see if he can like you can get something out of him with creative minds, you know, with Mike Kafka and Brian Dable. I also then, say too, know, if they panic, there's also guys in the free agent market as well, like 100%. veterans, like Jarvis Landry, DeAndre Hopkins. They're still out there. No, nah, Hopkins command. assigned. Where'd he go? Tennessee. Oh. I know it's so sad, man. I wanted him to go to Kansas City, but uh, but he didn't. He he chose Tennessee, which is very weird. The Giants just uh, did sign Cole Beasley uh, the other day, which right. is, yeah. again, for that slot position, they like to mix and match guys there. I don't even know if he's going to make the team, but Cole Beasley's best seasons were in Buffalo under Brian Dable. So He's a nice to have. It's a, it's a nice thing to have, because especially because Shepard and Robinson are not ready yet. Yeah. So it's basically Campbell, but Darren Waller is going to be the number one receiver on this team by far. But I think he opens up the, the running game. Um, Saquon's going to be determined to put up a big year so he can get a big contract next season. I I am hopeful. And I think with, you know, another year with these, this young offensive line, I think there's there's potential there too. I have not felt this hopeful as a Giants fan in a long time. So I'm actually excited for the football season and not dreading and looking up 2020, you know, the next year's draft. Like, who are we going to get next year? You know, so I'm actually I'm actually feeling really good. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, my pick, my asshole of the week is actually going to be hero of the week, and this is kind of old news at this point, but Two we haven't been recording. But Josh Harris Group finalizing the purchase of the Washington Commandos. Yep. Ding dong, the witch is dead. It's done. Dan Snyder is officially no longer the owner of the Washington Mandos. His wife is no longer the owner of the Washington Mandos. It is a new day in D.C. or Maryland or Virginia, depending on where they are, depending on where their training camp is currently and where their headquarters are. And it feels very different about this team. And you could tell that people were excited because people were partying in D.C. for like three fucking days when the announcement was made official. And the first thing that happens is the Washington commanders have like a block party and Josh Harris buys like everybody at this block party beer. And I think this is going to be a really exciting time for this team where you have an ownership group that actually gives a shit about the team and are not just using it to make money off of people, but also they want to build a winner and I don't necessarily think they are going to, I don't think they're going to make wholesale changes immediately, but 
But I think they're going to take this year and evaluate like who should stay and who should go. I don't know if Ron Rivera makes it. I wouldn't be t- broken up if he didn't. I think that's why they signed Eric Bieniemy with the expectation like, hey, we need somebody who's going to step yeah. in yeah. and like bring this team into the next generation of like high passing efficiency, like dynamic offense. Everything I've read about Sam Howell is that he's performing really well and him and Terry McLaurin have built a really solid relationship to start the OTAs and now camp. Um, Similar to you, this is the most excited that I've been for an NFL season in a very long time because this team is no longer shrouded in controversy and a shitty owner. Like there are some people that are like, well, you know, the Harris group already owns a bunch of teams and they're going to get too involved in that. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like if they own the devils in the Sixers, that means at least like both of those teams like have gone to the playoffs. Like Dan Snyder is not that guy, pal. He's not that guy. (laughs) And I, I'm fucking psyched. I might buy some Washington Mando's gear this year. I haven't done it in like 10 or 15 years at this point, but I'm fucking pumped, dude. So, I'm I am actually for the first time more concerned about the commanders than I've ever been. Go to bed. Um, Go to bed. Go to work. Do it. Leave. <laughs> because like no, because like honestly, Are you concerned for me or are you concerned that they might be good? No, yeah, concerned that they might be good. Oh, have a seat then. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> what did you think I meant? That they were going to be bad. No, 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 no. I'm as a Giants fan, I'm never concerned about them. I again, it's the Knicks, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the brain dead owner who keeps thinking he can throw money at a problem and and it blows up in his face in hysterical fashion. To where I am like, they're so dumb and everything that they do, they're never going to be good. They could have every, they could have first, you could have thirty two first round picks one year, and it wouldn't matter. You'd fuck it up somehow. Right. To where now, without Dan Snyder there and like signing the enemy as an offensive coordinator, getting that opportunity to where midseason, like if it's not very good this year, you can just fire Ron, like what you're going to probably do anyway, and let the enemy get a couple weeks in and see what he does and maybe keep him. Or you can just go in a completely different direction. You don't owe him shit. Yeah. Sam Howell, I t- I've told you when they drafted him, I said, people fucked up. Like, He's not like a let. He was never like, oh my god, but like fifth round pick for a twenty one year old quarterback that broke records at North Carolina. Like people were overthinking it too much. He had a thousand yard rushing in that last season at North Carolina, and again he had lost his top two running backs, Michael Carter and um, the kid on Denver. I can't remember his name. Um, they lost him. And then they lost Daz Newsom and his other top receiver. So he was without his top targets too. And he still didn't play that terribly. So to me, I think he got shaded by Baker Mayfield because he looks like Baker Mayfield. He does, yeah. Body type, arm style, like the running ability. He looks like Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield was going through all that shit. So I think people kind of just were like, I'm not interested. Yeah. So I think you guys got to steal. I don't know if he's a starting quarterback in at this at this level. I have no clue, but he looks like one. So to have that for the next few years to be able to spend money elsewhere is very valuable if he ends up becoming a good starting quarterback. I think for once you guys are actually headed in the right direction. Yeah. And 
I think too, the one thing that like they already said they they have like exceeded their ticket sales in the last like two weeks and they are they are back to where they were like pre-2020 levels. Like they have not had that kind of like ticket sales in years and years and years. And I think this is exactly what Washington fans were hoping for. And and frankly, the league was hoping for too, because as soon as that deal was official, that Harris was going to be the owner, that like that NFL investigation dropped as well. And then there was also information that came out that Dan Snyder like withheld like $150 million from the other owners in ticket sales. Like this, honestly, I don't give a fuck about the name. The name doesn't matter. Right now, it's all about like investing back into the team and the culture and the fans and making it like what it used to be. Because right now, like the name is irrelevant. Like every NFL team has a name. And for the most part, they're all pretty fucking stupid. But if the team goes like 11 and five or 11 and six this year or 12 and five, whatever, or even just as a productive like over 500 year, People are going to love that shit just because Dan Snyder is not there. And there's competent people running the show now. And shit, Magic Johnson, everything he touches when it comes to sports franchises, they win a championship, except for the Lakers when he was the GM. That did not work out. Uh, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. (laughs) But that is my hero of the week. I'm very excited. Very cool. Very legal. The NFL almost fucked up and unsecured the bag because they were bitching and moaning that not everybody was going to get paid. And the Harris group was like, fine, here's more money. Just give us the fucking team, will you? We're solving a number of problems right now for you. Yeah, On I, brand for the NFL to try to fuck that up, though. Quick question. Do you do you want to see the name change? doesn't matter. Like, I don't really... It, it, just, just, just personally, would you would you rather see a change from the commanders? If they were allowed to do it... I think because, they have to wait until next year to do it. I think you have to wait five years. I, th- I think there's some kind of waiver that they can do it next year. If they were to change it, I would be fine with it. What would like, you want to see? Washington football team. I, I liked it. I, I liked, liked it too. I thought it was so dumb. When I, when I heard it, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. And then I saw it and I was like... It sounds like a soccer club. I'm like, this is actually kind of cool. It's a little it's different, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. all the name, all the name suggestions that they put out were all kind of like tacky. And like, even some of them were like the red tails one, like you really needed to like squint your eyes to see the connection. Like, okay. Like DC, I, I, I would I like guess. six skins. Pigskins would have been fine too, but again, like none of these are like, no one's like sitting in the New Orleans Saints locker room. Like, oh shit, we're playing the pigskins this week. Fuck the hogs. Hogs would be fine too, but like, yeah. if they were to change it, I'd be cool with it. If they didn't, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about it because again, like I don't necessarily care about like. At this point, I don't really care about like what the brand is. I want to see the team being successful. Yeah, I like I, I want to see is I want to see the team either being in like playoff contention or in the playoffs, and more than just like the team that signed fucking Carson Wentz and fucked that up, and the team that signed 
every other starting quarterback in the last like 20 years and fuck them all up. And also like, I know we talked about this before, but Robert Griffin, the third, like celebrating, like we just like, like we just won the war. It's like, motherfucker, you were enabled by that owner. Like you were the one that got the past coach fired. Like, He's so stupid too. He said something about like, oh, they're paying the Giants are paying Daniel Jones twenty million, thirty million dollars more than Saquon Barkley. This doesn't seem right. And I'm like, do you understand how running back and quarterback contracts work? My guy, you work in football, right? You were a quarterback, like, yeah. He sucks. Yeah. the The more and more I hear from him, the less and less. Yeah, the less I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me more Mark Sanchez, believe it or not. Yeah. I love Mark Sanchez. He's at least as honest about his playoff, like his football career. Like yeah. RG3, you had one good fucking year and you demanded to play the second and you fucked up your whole career after that. Honestly, Mark Sanchez might have been my favorite commentator from last year. He was solid. He was really good. I really enjoyed his. I, I really liked enjoyed him. the way he called that. I liked him and Greg Olson, but Greg Olson love is Greg like Olson. A, it's a name brand at this point. So Yeah, I love Greg Olson too. I, I just love Greg Olson in general. Um, give me a little Mike Gola Jr. though. I'm not mad at that. I would love some go some yeah. Give me some Gojo. Come on, my man eating fucking mayo at the the Duke's Mayo Bowl, oh, like an God. Oreo dipped in mayonnaise. I do. I love. I love me some Gojo. So give me Gojo <laughs> all day. All, all right. right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with picks. Um, there is a horror movie coming out. I I am the horror guy of this podcast for sure. There is a I've been seeing previews for this movie forever and it feel like it took forever to come out. Um, it's coming out this Friday. I'm really interested in it. It's called Talk to Me. Trailer is really fucking solid on Rotten Tomatoes right now. After 107 reviews, it's sitting at a 96 percent right now. So I'm now I always worry about that because sometimes the audience score and the critic score are very different with movies. But uh, so I'm interested. But this is a movie that I'm super, super into. Um, that I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see. So um, that is coming out. I'm going to hopefully see that soon with Oppenheimer and Barbie. And then also what we do in the shadows season five is back. If you're not watching this show, I don't know what you're doing. Cause it it's is, just a goofy argu- show. it is so goofy, but it is so fucking funny. Um, it is one of the funniest shows on TV and I don't feel like it gets enough credit. Um, season five just kind of started uh, like uh, like like a week or two ago, so I definitely recommend it. It's on Hulu. If you have not seen it yet, um, I definitely recommend go back and start from the beginning. It's fucking great. Nice. Um, my pick of the week is going to be, and I think somebody has already mentioned this before. It might have been Philly or Tyler Kiefer or Sam Friday from a couple weeks ago, but. Um, my pick of the week is going to be the bear on FX. Um, I started watching it. The first like three episodes of season one, I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. My blood pressure was going <laughs> through the fucking roof. Um, but over time I've started to really enjoy the show. I, yeah. the, the characters are so well put together. The acting is so good. Um, but also too, like I appreciate a show where like, there are like normal people in it. And when I say normal people, it's like, there's not like a clear villain. Like everybody's just like a normal person just trying to live. Right. Like there's not a show where like, you know, this person is scheming to try to fuck over everybody else. It's more so like 
it's people's like personalities that conflict and that's where the conflict is, but it's how they resolve it and get through things. Um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, season one, I'm starting season two, but if you haven't started it yet, watch the bear it's on FX, same folks as, um, what we do in the shadows, same network. Um, but give it a listen or give it a watch. Yes. Give it a listen and a watch. Um, yeah, close your eyes and watch it. <laughs> that is a show that I have not like finished yet. Um, I don't know why, because I was enjoying it, and I just kind of like I think I just kind of got caught up in other stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna go back into that. I'm also a big fan of the lead actor from Shameless. I've been a big fan of Shameless for a long time. Um, it's fucking Lip Gallagher, so you gotta. But I've heard I've heard crazy things. That's why I was so shocked when you had uh, kind of initially said that you like didn't like it. I was like, I was kind of surprised because it's just overwhelmingly everything has just been so positive about it that I was just, I was just kind of surprised by that. But I understand I, what you're saying. I think the first three episodes were so chaotic. It just hit me like the first episode. I felt like I was like tense the whole time. Mm. And that might just be like, well, right, good writing, good filming, good like yeah. set design, good like atmosphere that they built in an understanding of like how to like create tension in a way that's not superficial or artificial, but like feels real. But I didn't like that. Like I was like, I, I, I feel like I'm a fucking scream right now. And I, I, but I, that could also be like, you just get into the show and you sense it and you feel it in a way that you're not normally able to with yeah. television. Like there's also like, stuff on FX or any other network. It's just like so poorly fucking written. Like did AI write this? Like wouldn't be shocked, honestly, you never know. But like, I, I appreciate what that first couple episodes did to me because it got me in a place where you get emotionally connected to the show or you have like yeah. an emotional response to it versus 100%. like watching the fucking Mindy project. And you're like, okay, cool. That's okay. that's a deep that's a deep grab the mini project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. one in your fucking back pocket, didn't you? <laughs> it, it might have been a show that was on the television earlier. Yeah. Um, but that does it for us, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Second Mouse Podcast. It's a bit of a, a longer cut this week because we had a lot to talk about. Um, we went across the entire spectrum of the politically insane to television to film to ron d meatball ron all the boys in the house but if you like what you watched and you like what you are going to listen to do us a favor and give us a like and share this with your friends on all the social media platforms and text it to your moms tell your mom i said hello um say out of your mother for me <laughs> Um, and then the last thing here, like, in, let us know what topics you want us to cover, who your assholes and picks of the week are. You can also join our Discord, but also you can rewatch some of the highlights on our YouTube channel. Um, hope to see you next week. We might be teaming up with the guys from Friends and Low Expectations to do like a fantasy football primer from our perspective, too. They might grill us. It might just be me like pilling everybody on why they should be Washington Commandos fans and why Daniel Jones is going to throw a thousand interceptions this year. Hater. <laughs> and we will see you all next week, folks. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm.
Now clap. Please clap. Let's clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>